All right, well, I want to welcome everyone today, and I don't know about you, but I'm blown away by what God is doing in this place. I mean, to see the lives that are being changed and the hope that's being found and the freedom that's being experienced, I just, uh, it's, it's truly special what God is doing in this place. And the reason why I mention that is because I just never want to take for granted what God is allowing us to be a part of. I never want us to take for granted thinking, man, this is happening in every place. And so, God, we are grateful for what you are doing in our midst. Can I hear a good amen? Well, I do want to take a moment and look at the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. Man, we love you guys. We believe in you. And we're just praying that God would speak to you right where you're at with exactly what you need to hear in such a way as only he can. And so come on, D-Town. Help me welcome my church family today. It's awesome. Well, we are in our fourth and final week of our series called It's Complicated. But it doesn't have to be, as we've been talking all things relationships in this series. In week number one, we talked about being single and secure. And then week number two, we talked about some foundations that we need to have for a healthy marriage. Then last week in week number three, we talked about our relationship with the church. And today, as we close out this series, I want to talk to us. The title of the message is Parenting on Purpose. Parenting on purpose. You know, something that I've discovered as a father these past almost 15 years is that parenting is extremely difficult. In fact, any other parents in the room discovered that parents, come on, raise your hand, that parenting, don't point at your child, just that parenting is extremely difficult. In fact, something else that I've discovered, at least in my opinion, is that parenting today seems like it's more difficult than it's ever been before. And if you agree with me or discover that, go ahead and just raise both hands as a sign of surrender. God, help us. Help us. Lord, we need you. And and the truth is, if I could just be really honest with us today, the truth is, as parents, none of us know what we're doing. We, none of us, they didn't come with instruction manuals. Like, we have no idea what we're doing. We're just trying to figure out how to be the parents that God has called us to be. We all make mistakes, and parenting is extremely difficult. Now, I know there are many of us in different seasons and stages of life here today. I know there are those of us who aren't parents. I know we have grandparents and aunts and uncles. We have those who uh, hope to be parents someday. There are those of us whose children are already grown and they're adults and you are celebrating that you are no longer in that season of life. Must be nice. Bless your heart if you're in that season. And, uh, but, but I want to encourage us, no matter where we're at, that we would lean into the message today. How many of us know that even if we're single, God still has something for us? That even if we're single, God can still speak to us because what we're talking about today is extremely important. So maybe you need this for yourself. Maybe you need to pass this on down to your kids, or maybe you have some friends who need some of the principles we're going to talk about today, but it's extremely important because parenting is incredibly hard, but at the same time, incredibly rewarding too. And for those of you that don't know, Justine and I have three amazing kids. Uh, Jace, our oldest, is 14. 
Tessa, our, our daughter, is 12, and then little B-Rax Braxton is 7 years old, and Experience Church is just over 11 and a half years old as a church, and so we basically started the church the same time we were starting a family, which we clearly did not think that through ahead of time. But now our two oldest are entering their teenage years and we're stepping into a new season as parents. And just when we felt like we were starting to figure some things out in the last season, here we are stepping into a new season as parents just to remind us we have a lot to learn and we have a long way to go. And I just want to get real practical with us today. And so I want to encourage you to take notes uh, we know that uh, we are four times more likely to retain the information that we hear when we write it down, but I just want to get super practical. I want to start off with, a, with a, something I heard years ago. Someone told me that it, I didn't really understand it at the time, but it makes a lot of sense now, and if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is when it comes to parenting, the days are long, but the years are short. Come on, the days are long, but the years are short. And ever since I became a father, I had, I had other parents who had older children than me. They all told me the same thing. They all said, enjoy it. It's going to go fast. Enjoy it. It's going to go. It's going to fly by. And, and it wasn't that I thought they were lying to me. It's just that it didn't feel like it was flying by, like all the poopy diapers the sleepless nights, the crying, the temper tantrums, none of that felt fast at all. It felt slow. But as the years have gone by, how I many know you blink and all of a sudden they're not so little anymore because when it comes to parenting, the days seem slow, but the, the years fly by. In fact, one of the things that I do that I would recommend if you want to is I use a feature on my iPhone because every Christian has an iPhone, not an Android. Come on, somebody. Some of us need to get saved today. But I use a, fe a feature on my iPhone where you can set the, the screensaver or whatever uh, to different people in your camera roll. And I have almost 10,000 pictures on my phone. And so I've chosen uh, my family, my wife, and my three kids uh, for to use those pictures. So every hour, it cycles through another picture. And so when I go to look at my phone, whether it's a Look, look at the time or whatever, I see a picture of someone in my family and it takes me back to that memory. It takes me back to that moment. In fact, you guys wanna see what's on there now? This is a little risky, just so you know. Here, can we get a shot of it? Can you see little B-Rax playing in the sand? There he is there. And I look at my phone and I know, oh yes, 11.45, but I see this picture. And it takes me back to when he was four years old, three years ago, and he was playing in a sandbox at our friend's house. And it takes me back to this memory and this moment where I'm reminded the days might seem long, Kyle, but the years, the years are short. And, and I don't know about you, but I've never felt more inadequate and unqualified to do something that God has called me to do than parenting. 
Like, I remember when Jace, our oldest, was born, and I remember when it came time to take him home from the hospital, and I remember putting him in the car seat and trying not to break his arms as I put the straps around his, you know, the straps around his little arms. They're so fragile. I'm like, I don't know. I'm gonna break him. Like, he's something, I don't know what to do here, and strapping him in and putting him in the car seat in the car and then looking over at the nurses going, whoa, whoa, wait, you guys aren't coming with us? We're just gonna, you gonna let us leave? And driving away from the hospital thinking to myself, me and Justina, we can't even keep a plant alive. How is this kid going to make it? Right? And we get home and all Jace did was cry. He was colicky and we could not get, how do you make him stop? Make him stop. We just couldn't. I just remember thinking, how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to figure this thing out? And the reality is that just because we had parents doesn't mean we know how to be one. And just because we were a kid doesn't mean we know how to raise one. And just because we have a child doesn't mean we know how to raise that child up in a godly way. So what I want to do today is just get real practical and help us figure out, man, how can we parent on purpose to give us some goals and a target to aim at and to shoot at? Because one of the main responsibilities that we have as parents is to set our children up for success in life to train and equip and to set them up to succeed. That when our kids eventually leave our home, I know parents, some of you are like, I don't think they're ever leaving. They, did. they won't leave. I've asked them to leave. I've changed the locks. They still find a way to get in the house. But eventually, they, they probably will leave our homes. And when they do, that as parents, we would be able to answer the question, who do we want them to be? What do we want them to know? What skills do we want them to have? What kind of character and values do we want them to hold on to? I want to encourage us parents today to not leave those things up to chance and just hope that our children turn out okay. That we would be intentional and take responsibility to do everything that we possibly can to set our children up to succeed. Because here's what I know, that someone will disciple our children. The question is, Will us as parents disciple our kids or will the world do it? In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. And that is simply this. If you don't define your parenting priorities, the world will. Now, with that said, I just want to get real practical. Like I said today, a lot of notes. I want to give us three goals today as parents. Now, they're not the only goals to have. They're not the only things to think about, but they are extremely important and foundational to set our kids up to succeed and parent on purpose. Now, before we take a look at those goals, I want to take a look at a passage of scriptures. One of my favorite uh, scriptures in the Bible when it comes to parenting is found in Psalms 127. We'll start off in verse one. The psalmist says this, says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I mean, that's a good verse for us to remember whenever we're trying to build something. That unless the Lord builds the family, unless the Lord builds the marriage, unless the Lord builds the business, unless the Lord builds our hearts, the laborers labor in vain. All the work, all the effort, all the time, all the energy that we put into it is in vain. You know why? Because we're building on a faulty foundation. It goes on to say in verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord offspring, a reward from him. Now, here's my favorite verse when it comes to parenting and children. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. 
Well, this is what parenting is. Come on, parents, you know it's a war out there. This is what parenting is, that our, our children are arrows in the hands of a warrior. Now, a warrior doesn't just keep all their arrows in their quiver, right? When they go off to battle, a, a warrior, a warrior an, an arrow was meant to be pulled out, pulled back, and sent out. And the same is true. It was sent out for a greater purpose. And the same is true with our children, that we're blessed to have the opportunity to raise our children up, but they're always meant to be sent out. The question is, how? How are our children going to be sent out from our homes? The Bible says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And so let me give us three goals on how we can send our children out well. Three goals to help us parent on purpose. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our first goal, number one, is that my children will love God. Come on, I mean, this is our, oh, this is our first goal. Like when it comes to our job as a parent, our job is to do everything that we can to help our children love God. Now notice I didn't say to be a good religious person. Notice I didn't say that they would have good manners or get straight A's in school or be popular and have a lot of friends or get a full ride to college or have a good job someday. Don't get me wrong, those things are all good, but none of that matters if we don't get this first part right, that our children need to love God. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is the greatest goal of every parent is that their children surrender their life to Christ and follow him as their Lord and Savior. This is our top goal as parents. This is one of the greatest responsibilities that we have as parents. That as parents, I mean, we want our kids to succeed in multiple areas. Don't get me wrong. I want my kids to succeed in the classroom. I want them to succeed in, on, on, on the basketball court or on the baseball. I want them to succeed in friendships and in relationships. I want them to succeed in multiple areas of their life. But the most important area for them to be successful in is for them to love God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Like the most important thing that we can do for our kids is to help them have a relationship with Jesus. Let me say it like this, if you're taking notes, write this down. That is, that faith would be the foundation of our family. The most important thing our family has is our faith. It's not our house, it's not our cars, it's not our bank accounts. The most, th the most important thing we have as a family is our faith. How, how many of us know we can lose our house, but we can't lose our faith? Our cars can break down, but our faith can't break down. We can lose all the money in our bank account, but we can't lose our faith. It's the most important thing for our family, our faith. I can get another job. I can get another car. I can get another career. I can't lose my faith. It's a big deal. And I want to take a look at a, a very... Um, famous prayer in the Old Testament called the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's considered the most recited and most essential prayer to the Jewish people. It was traditionally prayed by putting their, the Jewish person would put their hand over their eyes. In the same way, maybe we close our eyes to focus on God. That would be the kind of the symbolism there. They put the right hand over their eyes and they would, they would recite this prayer. And they would recite it every morning and every evening. And it would have been one of the first prayers every Jewish child would learn. Let's take a look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. 
says, hear, O Israel, hear God's people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Many of us know that Jesus would later quote this as the most important commandment that we're to follow. Verse six says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Everybody say hearts. In other words, don't just know them in your head. You gotta know them in your heart. Make them a part of who you are. And then Moses goes on to address parents because how many of us know discipleship starts in the home? How many of us know discipleship starts in the home? I mean, we counted it a privilege and an honor to be able to invest in your kids for an hour a week. But how many of us know that that's just in addition to, that's just adding to what's already been happening in the home? I mean, we can delegate a lot of things, but we can't delegate our children's faith. Verse seven says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and, and when you get up in the morning. In other words, as parents, if we're gonna parent on purpose, that we would have Christ-centered families. Christ-centered in our parenting. And this, this verse seven of that passage of scripture actually mentions four things kind of to help us, uh, help our children love God. And I just want to get real practical with us today. Let's take a look at it. The first one was to sit at home. And I would say just have family dinners with spiritual conversations. Now we try to do this one time a week. Please hear me today. Everything I'm giving to you is our goal. It's our target. We still have a long way to go. We're not perfect. Come on, can I get an amen? We're still trying to figure this thing out. In fact, if you have any cheat codes as a parent, grab me after service. I'd love to hear what you're doing. We're all on a journey together. This is just the target we're aiming at. And so we just realized and discovered family dinners are important. And so we're just at least once a week in our family, we try to sit around the table and we eat together and we talk about life, we talk about Jesus, we share scriptures together, we pray over one another, and we just bring Jesus into our family. It goes on to say, walk along the road. Let me get real practical, that we listen to Christian music in our vehicles. Can I just remind us today, church, that music impacts our minds in a major way? Therefore, I want to make sure that we're listening to, to music that's life-giving, not life-taking. So I got a lot of Force Frank going on in the car lately, if you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to have a good day. Sometimes we'll get up in the morning, and my kids are mad. I don't know what they're mad about. I paid all the bills. They slept in a comfy bed, but they're mad. They're, they're grumpy, and, and then they're running late, and I have to get on to them. And then we, sometimes that car ride to school in the morning is quiet. And no, anybody, come on, where are, my, where are my real parents at? So I, I just told you know what I do? I don't say anything to them. I just put a little force, Frank, we're going to have a good day. And I just turn that thing up. You don't want to talk, you want to listen to this, right? But music impacts us. We have to understand that. I want it to impact my kids in a good way. Another one is when you lie down. I mean, I mean prayers before bed. Come on, every night I'm going to pray a blessing over them. I might have to cast out some demons too. Come on, somebody. But how powerful is it to, to lay hands on our kids and just, God, I, I pray a blessing over them. God, thank you for them. They're so special. They have so many gifts and talents. God, I pray you give them peace in their hearts and peace in their minds, that your hand would be upon them. They'd have an amazing day tomorrow at school. And whatever they do, God, they'd be a leader, not a follower. Thank you for them. I speak a blessing over their life in Jesus' name. 
Amen. How powerful if we would do that before every night, before they go to bed. And I'm just going to be real with you. There's some nights I don't want to do it. But how many of us know sometimes our kids will hold us accountable? And there's many nights I'll be laying in bed, ready to go to sleep, half asleep, and my little seven-year-old Braxton will come in and go, Dad, aren't you going to pray for me? I'm like, no, go to bed. We'll do it tomorrow. No, I'm joking. No, I don't say that. I get up. What do you say to that? Yeah, I'll come pray for you. And it's something that he just, he appreciates. He loves dad praying a blessing over every, over every one of my kids. And we don't get it right. And I don't do seven days a week. There's days that I miss it. But come on, it is helping my children love God. Yeah. And then the last thing was we say, get up. Morning devotionals. Just starting our day with putting God's word in our hearts and in our minds. Once again, we don't get this right every day. There's seasons, seems like there's seasons we do really, really good at this. And then there's seasons we're like, man, what happened there? Especially like when summer comes and we get out of the school routine and all of a sudden we're in summer and we're sleeping. It's like, man, we haven't done devotions in like a month. We got to get back to doing some of the things we've gotten away from. Like we're, none of us are perfect at this. I, I hope you hear that uh, from our heart today and, and our families are work in progress and there's things we do really well. There's opportunities we have. But, but can I just speak this over us as parents? Children don't need perfect parents. They need parents that are on the right pursuit. And our pursuit is Jesus. Well, our kids don't need us to be perfect. They just need us to be pursuing the right thing. His name is Jesus. Now, if you're a, a parent who's just not even sure where to start, let me just give us some, some resources that I'd recommend. For those of us that have younger kids, I'd recommend the New City Catechism for Kids. This helps us recite the foundations of our faith. There's the Indescribable series, I think three books that Louis Giglio wrote, awesome resource. There's my first hands-on Bible. If you've got kind of energetic kids like myself, this is a great resource. There's Theology, teaching systematic theology to our kids. And then there's the Bible app for kids. It's a free download for your phones or tablets. It's an interactive Bible that they can get into. Some great resources for, for those of us who have little kids. For those of us who have older kids, I'm always asked, like, what's a good Bible? And there, there are many different Bible study Bibles out there, but one I would recommend would be the Fire Bible, the student edition. It's got some great commentary and articles throughout that Bible. I'd highly recommend that for your teenager. And then also the, the YouVersion Bible app that's just free download. There's tons of plans for teenagers and adults to get in there and, and read and just have devotions. And then a couple of resources for parents today. Uh, I highly recommend, if, if, especially if you have teenagers, get your teenagers talking. Anybody else besides me struggle with this? Yeah, how was your day? Good. How you feeling? Fine. Good, good talk, bud. Good talk. Great connecting with you. I know that might work when they're like seven or eight. But when they're 14 and they're dealing with some of the things they're dealing with and the pressures that, that their friends are putting on them, I need more than a yes, fine, okay, kind of conversation. So it's a great resource to kind of help initiate that. And then another book I'd highly recommend, The Intentional Father by John Tyson. Probably one of my favorite books as a dad. This is specifically for dads with, uh, of boys, but he's in the process of writing uh, another book because he's got a daughter as well for, for dads and their daughters. And so that should be coming out later this year. And I will probably be one of the first ones to grab that book as well. And you can find all these resources on the Experience Church app. Also, I put on the Experience Church a, a field kit, the Experience Church app, a field kit for parents that has some great uh, information on building a relationship with your kids, 
identifying your parenting style and characteristics of biblical discipline. Now, these are just a few resources. Uh, there's so much out there. Uh, and my heart is just find what works best for you. I had a young family a few months ago ask me what are some of the Bibles that, that we used when our kids were younger. And I just told them, listen, I bought like 30 different Bibles until I could find the one that worked best for our family. I just kept cycling through another Bible. That didn't work. That's for like a college student. It's not going to work for my five-year-old. I just kept buying. The point is I was on a search. I was on a journey to resource my kids because the goal is to make faith the foundation of our family so that kids, our kids love God. Let me give us one more thing that I want to know when it comes to helping our kids love God, and that is the greatest impact we'll make on our kids won't be from the words we speak, but the life we live. Can I say that again for the people in the way, way back? The greatest impact we'll make on our kids, parents, won't be from the words that we speak, but the lives that they see us live. Remember, we don't have to be perfect, but we do need to be pursuing God. Let me say it like this. Our kids don't need a motto to say. They need a model to follow. All right, we'll move on. You guys didn't like that one. The second goal, come on, first goal. First goal is that our children will love God. The second goal that we are gonna have to parent on purpose, number two, is that our children will love their family. We want them to love God. And my second goal is I want them to love our family. That, that as a family, we would enjoy each other, that we would love each other. And then when they grow up and they leave our home, that we're still gonna hang out together because we wanna have a family that likes being together that we would create an environment in our homes that's so good and, and so healthy that our kids want to be a part of it, whether they have to or not. Now, I, I do want to point out when it comes to, to families and parenting, studies actually show that the most rebellious kids often come from homes that are the most rules-focused. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap as parents of focusing on behavior modification instead of parenting their hearts. How many of those parents, our job is to parent their hearts, not just to get them to conform and behave and do what we want them to do. We gotta get the heart right. How many know our Heavenly Father, that's how he loves us? How many know our Heavenly Father doesn't want us just to do this behavior modification? He wants to impact our hearts with his love so that it's not a burden to follow him, it's a blessing. I long to, I want to. The same is true as we parent our children. If you're taking notes, write this down. That is rules without relationship always lead to rebellion. And so if we're strong in rules but weak in our relationship, we're creating a culture for our kids to be rebellious. Now, obviously, we don't want to do, do away with the rules, right? Discipline is a good thing, but we need to foster an environment where relationship is key to our family. And so what does that look like? Well, Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15. He says, so I command the enjoyment of life. Come on, we need to command this on our homes. I'm going to command the enjoyment of life in my home and in my family because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the, of the life God has given them under the sun. In other words, Solomon says, when life gets hard, there's a place where we can go where we find enjoyment. There's a place where there's peace, where there's, there's a place that they can go. And let me say it this way, if you're taking notes, write this down. And that is parents are responsible for making their home a safe haven from the world's hurt. 
Jesus gave us that promise in Scripture. Didn't he? In this world, you will have trouble. He gave us, what a great promise, Jesus. Thank you. But I mean, he didn't stop there. He said, in this world, you have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome it. But how many of us know there's trouble in this world? The world is harsh. Social media can be brutal. School can be hard. The peer pressure to fit in and to do this and to do that, bullying. And our home should be a, a safe place for our children. So let me just give us some practical things that our home should be. Starting with this, our home should be a place to talk. How many know our kids are talking to someone? And I just, how, what can we do to help them talk to us? Our home should also be a place to rest. Home should be a place where we can take a breath, that there's peace in that place. And too often our homes can seem chaotic and, and confusing. And man, let's do our best parents to create a healthy environment for our kids. I love this next one. Our home should be a place to laugh. How many of you know laughter is a good medicine? I mean, it's the best. When I hear little Braxton laughing in the other room with doing something with his brother and sister, man, it just does my heart good. They're not arguing in the other room. They're laughing in the other room, right? It's just, how many know we need to laugh together as a family? We need to smile together as, as a family. We need to have fun together as a family. Another thing that our home should be is a place to grow. Come on, we're all getting better. None of us got to figure it out. I'm growing as a father. I'm growing as a husband. My kids need to see that. We're all on this journey of growing together. They need to know dad needs to write, read his Bible just as much as they do. Dad needs Jesus just as much, if not more, than they do. Right? We're all growing together. And then finally, uh, our homes should be a place to make memories. I mean, life is memories and moments, and I don't want my kids making more memories with their friends than they do their family. In fact, if you take a note, write this down, and that is, life isn't remembered in minutes, it's remembered in moments. Right, when you think back, that's why I did the, the iPhone earlier, I'm not thinking back on minutes, I'm remembering that moment with Braxton, I'm remembering that moment with Jason, Tessa, and Justine, I'm remembering that, life isn't remembered in minutes, it's remembered in moments. And so we want our children to love God. We want our children to love their family. And the third goal that we need to have to parent on purpose, number three, is that my children will love the church. They'll love the church. The reason why it's so important for our children to love the church, it, let me give us two reasons why it's so important for them to love the church. First, that as parents, we're not the only ones investing into and speaking into their lives. That they're encountering God's presence. How I, I many know, like, has anyone else, like, your kid came home and, like, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so, you wouldn't believe what Pastor Aaron Rosario said tonight. I'm like, boy, I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> Thinking Pastor Aaron's all wise. And, <laughs> and the only reason I know that sense because your mom's been telling me that for years. She's the brains behind this thing, but I'm not going to give her credit for it, right? But they come home, like, well, as parents, we're not the only ones speaking into their lives. We're not the only ones investing in that they're coming to God's house and they're encountering God's presence and they're building meaningful relationships and they're being impacted in a powerful way by the church. I, I, we experienced this just a, a couple months ago. I was a uh, reminder of this during 21 days of, of praying and fasting. Our oldest son, Jace, just was being challenged in some way, kind of going through some, some difficult times and kind of his character was being challenged. And I remember one morning we got up to 6 a.m. prayer. We came to church and 
around 6.30, but halfway through the prayer hour, someone came over to Jace and said, hey, I just feel like I got a, I feel like God laid a word on my heart for you. And they just spoke, they told him three different things, and they were exactly, exactly what he was dealing with. And that person had no idea the conversation we had the night before. They had no idea what God was going, doing, what, what was happening in their life. Yet God spoke to Jace in that moment. It was so beautiful because it wasn't dad speaking it to him. It wasn't mom speaking it to him. It was God speaking it to him through who? The church. And so it's extremely important that, that as parents, we're not the only ones investing and in speaking to their lives. But then secondly, it's important for our kids to love the church because when we're no longer the primary influencer in their life and we've moved into more of a, a friendship type relationship with them, that they're gonna go to a church that's gonna continue to develop them to be who God's called them to be. I, I'm, I don't see them all the time like I used to, but I know they're in this church and I know they love God's house and they're in this place where they're constantly being fed by the word of God. They're be, being, uh, building meaningful, godly friendships and they're growing and developing in their faith. Come on, how many? No, that's good for our kids. Now, unfortunately, too many families make the mistake of putting other things as a higher priority in their family's life than church, which is a huge reason why so many kids walk away from the Lord. And can I just challenge us as families today to make church a priority? Because if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is what one generation finds optional, the next generation will find unnecessary. If we think church is optional, then our kids will grow up and think that church is unnecessary in their life because their parents didn't prioritize it. Well, well I got practice, or my team's got a game, or, or there's another tournament. Well, tell your coach that you can't go because your family goes to church. I don't care if there's another practice. I don't care if there's another game. I don't care if there's another tournament. We're going to church. And let me just get on my soapbox a little bit because all my kids play sports. And, and listen, we're not religious about it, but church is a priority. In fact, Tessa, my 12-year-old, my actually has a basketball tournament today. Actually, she's there right now. And I don't know why we're having tournaments on Sunday, people. What is going on? But we just have a rule. You come into first service because church is a priority. And so she was here first service, and we said, then you can go. And I don't care what time the game is. I don't care when it starts. And I'll just say this. People told me when I first moved here that, that if my kids didn't play on Sunday, they wouldn't play. That the coaches wouldn't play. penalize them for not being on the team in the games on Sunday. Can I just say, here's what I found out. I'm going to share it with you. Can I get real with you a little bit? Here's what I discovered. If they're good, they'll play. If your kid's good, it doesn't matter when they show up to the tournament or the game. If they're good, the coach will play them. And if they're not good, they weren't going to play anyways, just so you know. <laughs> just being real and honest. If they're not good, they weren't going to play anyways. So you still made the better choice putting them in church. I remember, and I learned this at a young age. I played a lot of sports growing up. I played baseball a lot throughout the summer. We did not go to church when I was younger. That's a whole other story. But I'll never forget, we had one kid on the team, Jeremiah Halley. He was our best player. He was our catcher, our number four hitter. He went and played baseball at Wichita State University. Go Shockers. And, and I'll never forget, his parents, they were in church. And so we knew as a team, if we had a Sunday morning game, Jeremiah wasn't going to be there. 
but we couldn't wait as a team until about noon or 12.30 when that van would pull up and Jeremiah would pop out and, and coach would go, get in there, Jeremiah. And he played every time. Why? Because he was good. And I'm just saying, I'm not going to compromise my values. I'm not going to compromise my faith to play some game. God, church is important. The Bible tells us uh, that Joshua, this, this man who led God's people into the promised land, this, this man who saw, saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle, to take a look at, at what happened. Judges chapter 2, verse 8 says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Come on, I'm going to live that long too. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. There was an entire generation who encountered God in a powerful way. They knew God. They served God. They followed God. They saw God do incredible things, but they didn't pass on their faith to the next generation. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baal. I mean, our kids are going to serve someone. As parents, we have to make a decision. Are they going to serve the things of this world or, or are they going to serve God? Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. I'll close with this verse. Joshua made this statement. He said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, little g, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods, little g, of the Amorites, in whose land you are living now, I love what Joshua, if you don't catch it, he's ba he, Joshua's talking a little smack right here. He's basically saying, you, you, can go serve those, you can go serve those gods of those people, the same people that we conquered in battle and were victorious over. That's the gods you want to go serve? Those, those gods that don't bring any victory into your life, they don't bless you, they don't have any power. Those, those are the, you're going to keep going to those things that will never give you what you're looking for? Then he goes on to say, but as for me and my house, now we're going to serve the Lord. I mean, that's our goal. That we're going to love God, we're going to love our family, and we're going to love the church. Come on, parents. We can get a lot of things wrong, and we will. But if we can just get these three things right, and my kids love God, they love their family, and they love the church, I know that's a foundation for them to have an incredible life. I'll close with this thought, that our greatest success in life will not be what we do, but who we raise. Let me just say, we've seen God do some incredible things in this church in the past 11 and a half years. I mean, just in the past two months, we've seen over 45 people get baptized. In two months! I mean, all the salvations, we're in a mall. But we're debt free. We're debt free in the mall. I mean, the lives have been touched and changed. The correctional ministry, what God's doing in Belize. I mean, God is doing some incredible things, and we would say, man, we're just getting started around here. But none of that, none of that will matter if my three kids don't know God. 
Because my greatest success in life will not be experienced, church. My greatest success will be those three kids that God has entrusted me to raise. And the same is true for you, parents. It's not the business you're building. It's not the brand you're putting together. It's the children that God has given you to raise. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior that are eventually sent out for a greater purpose. We want, them, we want them to love God, love their family, and love the church. Amen? Come on, let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the life, the life that you came to give each and every one of us. Thank you for the peace that's in this place. Thank you for your presence that's in this place. Thank you for the hope that's in this place, God. Thank you, God, for your love that never fails. And as we're praying together with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to encourage us to just to ask God, say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? I don't want to just be a, a hearer of your word, God. I want to be a doer. I don't want to just declare that my, my house will serve you. God, help me to put some practical things in place in my family so that I'm, I, I'm intentional about parenting on purpose. How do you want me to respond to the message today? And as we're praying together, with every head bowed, every eye closed, as we talked about loving God, it's the foundation for our, our children. It's the foundation for our families. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you're like, man, I don't even have that foundation in my own life. And I realize I can't give what I don't have. And that if my kids need it, I know I need it. I need a relationship with God, to love God, to surrender my life to Him and experience the life that He came to give to me. And so if that's you today, you need a relationship with God. You need to surrender your life to heaven. You need to rededicate your heart. I want to give you that opportunity with your, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're watching online. If that's you, would you just lift your hand to heaven as a sign of surrender? Here I am, God. I, I want a relationship with you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to experience the love and the life that you have for me. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you that you believe in me. You have a plan for me. God, today in this, but here's my life, what you've always wanted. God, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. As we continue praying together, I want to pray for every family in this place. Father, I pray for the parents. I pray for the soon-to-be parents. I pray for those who hope to be parents one day. I pray for, pray for those who have already raised children, that they're going to invest in the next generation, help other parents do what they did or not make the same mistakes they made, God. But I pray for every parent in this place, God, that you would fill us with your strength and your wisdom, that you would remind us that the days might seem long, but the years go by so fast. God, help us to be parents on purpose. God, help us to put some practical things in place to help our children love you. To do some practical things to, to help our family love each other. And to make church a priority. To set the example for our children to love your house, God. God, I pray you would lead and guide us as we just try to do the best that we can do with what you've entrusted to us, God. Speak a blessing over every family in this place. God, we love you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said?
Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. Beautiful.